Good morning, it's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Welcome in on a football Friday. Except for you, Ute fans. It's a bye week. You just get to revel in the win over Washington. Just continue to let that soak in. I guess if you want to watch a game this weekend, I think your top priority, I mean, we got eight no teams playing, right? And you can watch BAM and LSU. A lot of people will. Penn State and Minnesota at 10 a.m. Uh, undefeated teams in the... In the Big Ten, although Minnesota, I think, is largely viewed as uh, you know, a creature of the schedule. they got the big games at the end, and everybody expects them to get beat here. But we'll see how that plays out. ASU's playing USC, and USC's only got a couple losses. They could get a third loss here. Give the uh, Utes a little breathing room if they were to stumble. If, uh, if ASU beats USC, and if Utah beats UCLA next week, then everybody will have three losses except the Utes will be sitting on one. They'll actually have to win one of their last two. So I guess that's for you. Now, for BYU fans, you got the Liberty game, your big favorites, Cub, you know, what, two and a half touchdowns in this game? And your big favorites. Uh, we're going to start you off with a little football. we got Kyle Winningham and Joe Ingles coming up. But we're going to start this hour with the offense coordinator, Jeff Grimes. Here he is with the media on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Talk with about like your day-to-day work, sort of what you have to do, and how much it gets sort of disrupted when you don't know which quarterback is going to be starting when there's injuries on the offensive line and just all the issues you guys have been dealing with. Well, that's, that, that is part of day-to-day, day-to-day work. Part of our day-to-day work is to, is to get all of our players ready. And sometimes it's a little bit easier than other times. Really, it's not, it's not hard on a daily basis. It's really um, just a challenge in practice to try to make sure you get the right guys the right number of reps in practice. Would you say the, the season's sort of turbulence has been more than the past few seasons? Yeah, we've certainly had more injuries, but in a way, um, here here of late, I think it's been a real positive. More guys have had, had opportunities to prove themselves. How's Baylor health-wise? I know he was kind of battling a little bit of a foot injury last week against Utah State. Where is he at health Improving. Getting better. Not 100% yet, but he's he's moving in the right direction. Do you feel it will affect his availability this week at all? I, I don't think it will affect his availability, no. What impressed you the most from the uh, offensive performance for Utah State? Um, I think just our, our, um, the energy that we played with, number one, I think we showed up ready to go. Um, obviously the big plays, um, you know, big plays fuel emotion. And we had, we had a few more of those, um, than we have had. And, and those, those things make a difference. Um, our consistency, um, in, in not having very many negative plays, I think was, was a real positive as well. And so I think the big plays and then, and then our consistency overall. Talk about the growth of the running backs. Ceiling has you know, gotten a lot more time the last little bit. And he's improved as well. Yeah, that, both those. You needed both those guys. Yeah, yeah, up. absolutely. Both those guys have improved a great deal. Um, what, they've, what they've been able to do just by really focusing on their reads and running physical and running hard has really, has really allowed us, I think, to take a step forward as well as what they're doing in the passing game. Talked before the season, and you know about you know when you play young guys, there's there's kind of a learning curve you generally have. But at this point in the season, the the guys who've been playing, a lot of them are now more veteran. You know, they're more more seasoned than they were. How, do, how have you seen the growth of the young guys that you've got? On the- <laughs> there's still so much for some of those young guys to learn. I mean, you you take a guy like um, Blake Freeland or Clark Barrington or Mason Wake or even even the quarterbacks that haven't played that much. Although they've all done some good things, they've all they've all got so far to go and so much. Um, room that they can still improve that that I 
that I think and hope that that we'll continue to see um, significant growth from them as the season progresses. That's gotta be exciting. I mean, yeah, yeah their, I think their, so. Their, yeah. Their, Anytime you're playing, you're playing young guys, and they're and they're playing well enough that you can that you can have success as an offense. Yeah, that's exciting. That's real positive. What did you think of Blake's performance where early on he had those penalties and then how do you evaluate Yeah, that? first road game for, for a young guy playing in a, in, um, in a loud environment. Um, those things happen sometimes, but I thought he settled in and, and did a nice job. And improvement over, over his first week. And so, again, he's not just new to, to our lineup. He's new to playing offensive line. This is all new for him. So he, he's still learning at a, at a very rapid rate. Does that also speak a little bit to some of the older guys on the offensive line, the guys like Blake and Clark and, and the like, can step in, I'll say seamlessly, even though you probably don't think so as, as their coach, you probably see every little mistake they make. But does that kind of say something about sort of the older guys, that they can bring those young guys along and kind of plug them in? Yeah, for okay. sure. I, I walked into uh, the offensive line meeting room while I was walking down the hall, um, I don't know, last Monday or Tuesday night, um, well after practice, had already taken a shower, changed, and it was, I don't know, at 7 o'clock or something. I heard voices down the hall, and I walked down, and Chandon Herring was sitting in there watching film with uh, Blake Freeland, you know, <laughs> kind of taking him through some things, talking through some calls, watching film. And so, yeah, I think it's a real credit to, to James and Brady um, and, uh, and Chandon for taking those young guys under their wing and, and, and helping them get caught up. How pleased are you with the the way the ball is being spread around? Lots of guys are getting opportunities. I think you had four guys or three three guys complete passes in the game against Utah State. A bunch of different guys caught passes, ran the ball. Yeah, I think we I think we have a unique thing in that we have a number of guys who can make plays at, at all of our skill positions. The problem is there's only one ball and it can't get around enough. You know, I feel bad that we didn't get mad a ball the other night. You know, I mean. We, we thought we had a touchdown there for him, but they ended up being being called back. But, um, you know, some games the ball goes to one guy more than another. But, yeah, I, I am pleased that the ball is being spread around, and I'm pleased with the fact that, that our quarterbacks are, are confident in a lot of guys. And, and A-Rod's done a great job just helping them trust the system and be willing to throw to the open guy rather than throw to the guy that, that you think – might be the most reliable or might be open. I think they've done a good job with that. I guess if you throw a double reverse flea flicker, five guys get to touch the ball in the possession. <laughs> so there you go. Lots of touches, yeah, for sure. Thanks, Jeff. In your travels, have you uh, ever been around a program where they had four quarterbacks on the roster that had won games? Um, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. I think it's pretty unique to have three that you really feel like you can you can play with and feel good about. I mean, I've been... I've been a lot of places where we didn't have one that we felt good about. Certainly, when you go to your number two or three, that's that's often a challenge. I got in late, so they probably asked you. Okay. Probably not announcing a quarterback. And no, what's your no, we're not. And we're not. All those guys are getting better, and uh-huh. and we're not ready to say anything, and probably won't. Are they all four getting reps? Yes. Yes, they all did something today. There's BYU offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes. When we come back, Kyle Whittingham, stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show.
From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. Time to talk with Utah football coach Kyle Whittingham, who we suspect is a little uncomfortable right now. Kyle, how are you? Doing good, guys. How are you? Good. Eight and one. Everybody's saying nice things about your teams. Does that make you uncomfortable? Well, you know, I think it goes both ways. I think it's nice to have our guys recognized for what they've accomplished so far. Uh, which you know we've done some pretty good things so far this season, but but uh, certainly you know there's a lot of football left. Uh, you know we're just you know at the very the beginning of this uh, you know the the push for the end of the season, and so uh, as long as our guys stay grounded, and take things uh, you know in order, then uh, you know we'll see what happens. Well, I know you don't want to hear this, but I've already made my uh, reservations to Santa Clara, and I won't have you comment on that. <laughs> yeah, I don't I want to hear that. You're right. I don't want to hear that. Exactly. <laughs> but I will say, you know, I've been around your team now on a fairly close basis for a number of years, and the amount of uh, senior leadership that you have, and maybe even some uh, a couple of younger guys, a guy like Jalen Johnson, who's only a junior, although he's open to speaking about wanting to go to the NFL this season. But anyway, it seems like any form of letdown won't happen because of the leadership. And I can argue, too, that actually the intensity will increase because the finish line is there and everybody can see it. Well, I concur with your assessment. I mean, we've got a lot of leadership on this football team, and, and the senior class is outstanding. It's a, it's a very similar to last year's senior class, but about double in size. You know, we only had like eight right. or nine uh, scholarship seniors last year. We've got, uh, you know, about double that this year. And so uh, it's a team that uh, is focused. Uh, they, they know how to practice and, and watch film and do all the things you need to do Monday through Friday to, to get ready for a game. And, and you're right, you know, they're starting to be, uh, you know, things are starting to come into to uh, focus a little bit, uh, you know, as, as the season wears on, and, and what what the possibilities are, but uh, what you got to do, and again, is just focus on getting, you know, being one and all, you know, each particular week, and and uh, that's got to be your mindset. Otherwise, bad things usually happen. So, how much are you getting ahead on UCLA? How much you've watched Joshua Kelly run the ball? Because it seems like he's got almost, not quite, but almost 500 yards in the last three games. They've won them all, and it seems like that's driving everything for them right now. Well, that and the quarterback. I mean, the quarterback's very athletic, and, and uh, you know, many of the big plays that they uh, get are from him extending the play, either moving around the pocket and finding someone downfield, or just running the football. He's a he's a tremendous athlete. But you're right, the running game has has been uh, potent for him as well. And they're on a roll. I mean, they've won three in a row and feeling confident. And there's there's uh, you know they they control their own destiny, and that's uh, you know something I'm sure they're harping on. And and uh, you know we're going to get their best shot. There's no doubt about it. You spoke on Monday that the time off will give Tyler Huntley an opportunity to get a 100% healed. If it changes any of the way he plays or the way he has played, I don't want him to be 100%. I want him to play exactly the way he's played. So do you think that this injury or rehabilitation and recovering will change anything? Because obviously he's been playing brilliantly. He's been playing well. And and, uh, credit to Andy Ludwig for tailoring things to uh, his, you know, his... uh, 
I guess you could say limitations the last few weeks because he hasn't been uh, able to do everything that he was doing earlier in the season as far as moving the pocket around and, and the play action pass game and the things that uh, you know he did very well early on. But uh, we're hoping that we can get back to you know being able to have the full offense at his disposal and not uh, worry about uh, you know creating things where where uh, you know we keep him uh, not moving like uh, like he was earlier in the year. If that makes sense. I don't know if you can answer this, but you're the boss making the big money, so I certainly hope you can. But I really don't know if you can. This, I think, is the best group of receivers you've had since the Sugar Bowl team. I think the progress they've made is obvious, and I don't know why you never had another group make this kind of progress. It's not as if you're sitting on you know one or two elite talent NFL guys who are driving it. Everybody's getting better, and everybody's making plays when it's their turn and they have the opportunity. Why is it clicking now with this group? and not with previous groups? Well, I think, first of all, they may be the most talented group overall from top to bottom since uh, the Sugar Bowl and and very, very uh, you know, on par with that group. And, and uh, you know, you're right. There's no one go-to guy. We just have a bunch of unselfish guys that are that are playing hard, and they, they do have talent. I don't want to paint the picture that there's not a, you know, it's not a talented group because they are. But, but uh, you know, DeMar Simpkins has done a great job of being the leader of that group and instilling uh, that uh, you know that unselfish attitude because he's one of the most unselfish players we've ever had here and and uh, it would be very easy for for guys to get a little bit uh, you know antsy and and, and wanting to, uh, you know to be featured a little bit more but all they want to do is win they're willing to block downfield they're willing to do whatever it takes to to uh, help the football team and and uh, and a credit to Coach Holiday as well, uh, Guy Holiday, their coach has has uh, definitely been a uh, you know instrumental in in shaping that group and and uh, their mentality and how they go about their business. So you've been at Utah what twenty five plus years or whatever it is, and obviously twenty five years, yeah. Head coach for what fifteen of those years, and all all during that time, you've had a number of just outstanding defensive backs. And I want to argue that Jalen Johnson is the best of them, and I also want to argue that he's going to be an outstanding pro. Debate me if well, you way. I agree, he's going to be an outstanding pro. I, I, I think that's uh, you know his his style and his his uh, skill set, his size. I mean, he's got the whole the whole package uh, for what they're looking for at the next level in that position. Uh, he has been outstanding for us ever since he got on campus. You know, he's uh, been a starter since uh, since day one. Uh, had a, you know a few minor injury setbacks, but but uh, you know he's playing excellent football for us right now. And I'd you know he, it's a bold statement to say he's the best ever here because you know Eric Weber in that mix as well and, and so uh, you know we'll see I think you know there's maybe a little bit early to, to make a final assessment but but he has been a, a huge asset for coach Scali and the, and the defensive coaches because when you can essentially take away you know half the field or, or a certain guy uh, because of his presence that uh, allows you to do a lot of good things with the other guys uh, defensively so PK and I are at most of your Monday press conferences, uh, and you had one that ended with a question I kind of wanted to follow up on. Uh, it was asked about your, you know, the stat you find most important, and of course you went to turnovers. And in some of these press conferences, you've talked about the stats, and you were really drilling down into analytic stuff and stuff that people don't follow, but you were rattling it off off the top of your head. So when you get beyond the final score and beyond the turnovers – what are a couple of things you really focus on that determine winning and losing? Because, you know, there's some hardcore youth fans out there who'd like to follow along w- right with you watching that kind of stuff. 
Well, there's a, there's a lot of things, and I don't know if you can, you know, and in a particular week, some other things may be important than than uh, than some of the other stats, and vice versa. The next week, I think it, 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 your opponent that you're facing has uh, something to do with that, and what they do well, and trying to take that away from them. And so there's more variables than just uh, cut and dried a list of one through ten or whatever. But but some of the the more important stats uh, certainly, um, you know, running the football. If you can if you can run the football effectively, I mean, you look at the you know the top offenses in the country, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State and and uh, Ohio State. I mean, they run the football exceptionally well, 250 a game or, or thereabouts. And so, to me, that's always a critical status if you can run the football and then conversely defend the run on defense. That's uh, you know I don't think that'll ever change. And there are some weeks where it's an exception. I mean, you play Washington State, then the run game is is really not not a factor. You know, for your defense, you've got to stop you know the throw game. But but that's always uh, something that uh, is critical. Red zone defense and red zone offense. You know, making sure you finish drives and and uh, have a, the percentage that you need. Uh, and we shoot for seventy percent touchdown success in the red zone offensively. And if we can hold the opponents to fifty percent or less, then that's uh, we feel like we're doing uh, good things. You know, in that regard, um, pass efficiency defense is important. It's not total yards that you give up. It's it's you know when they do throw the ball is what's happening. Because if someone throws the ball fifty times a game, they're certainly going to have more yards than someone that maybe throws it 20 or 25, but but not necessarily uh, more efficiently and, and more productively. And, and that spills over to our offense as well. We're not throwing for a ton of yards, but our efficiency uh, throwing the football is as good as there is in the league. And so there's uh, and there's probably four or five other stats that, that uh, you know, time of possession can be a factor because you, you know, you're keeping your defense off the field. And I think we're still playing you know, maybe the fewest snaps, certainly in the Pac-12, but one of the fewest snaps in the country as far as uh, snaps for game on defense, which keeps your guys fresh. I mean, you, you keep them fresh. You know, we've played, what, nine games, but they probably only have the wear and tear of uh, maybe six games. So it's that uh, starts to manifest as well towards the, towards the end of the season. Whether through transfer or recruiting, how many scholarship quarterbacks do you anticipate having next season? Well, four or five is, is typically the number, four or five, and that's most, you know, most teams operate on that same premise as far as how many they uh, devote to that position. Now, the quarterback position this day and age, there's so much movement at that particular position. In general, there's a lot of movement with transfer, but but uh, the quarterback position seems to have more uh, movement than, than any other position as far as you know the the number of guys that uh, you have scholarships allotted to, and the number of guys that that decide to go elsewhere. And so, uh, you know, I don't know if there's a school in the country, the very few that have uh, five scholarship quarterbacks uh, in their program, and most, you know, a lot of them only have two because guys leave at the last minute, and there's nothing you can do about it. So, so ideally, we would always, you know, in a perfect world, always like to have four or five scholarship quarterbacks in the program, uh, and uh, you know, it's hard to stay at that number because, like I said, it's a position where it just seems to have a tendency for guys to uh, to move on more so than other spots. Well, you got a really good team that's playing really well, and uh, if that makes you uncomfortable, I guess you fans hope that you know you're a little uncomfortable <laughs> with all the praise that is sure to cascade your way if you keep doing this. Well, we just got to keep going about our business. That's that's the bottom line. I think, like I said, I think we got the mentality with these players to do that. So we'll see what happens. Kyle, thanks for a few minutes. We appreciate it. Okay, guys, take care. Have a good day. 
Kyle Whittingham, Utah football coach, joining us on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. See you in Santa Clara, Kyle. <laughs> and then Pasadena. <laughs> I'm not willing to go there yet. <laughs> I know. But I would makes, love to go there. But it makes Literally and figuratively. But it would make him uncomfortable if you just gift wrap that. I'm not going to do that. That's, that's too outrageous. Oregon's too good. But I don't have. I, I literally made my plans in September. Yes. To go to Santa Clara. You did. They yeah. were the preseason pick, right. and they're living up to the hype. And they had a bad game, and they lost on the road to a decent, not really good, but a decent team. Yeah, a, a decent team with decent receiver, with great receivers, excellent receivers, and they got beat by and, one touchdown. And they made. I, and I'm they, not going to sweat it. Plays right. Um, so when he lists all those stats, the one I heard that really jumped out at me that we don't really consider, but we've heard it twice now this week from coaches. Gary Anderson comes on the show, and he said. We played, and he listed how many snaps. He says that's way too many. You'll you just you won't find. I'm paraphrasing, but you won't find good teams having to defend that many snaps. It's a really hard thing to do. Your best players can't play that many plays. It gives the other team too many opportunities. And now we hear Kyle say We're, we've defended plays. If it looks like our defense has played six games, but they really played nine. It keeps them fresher. The other way around. It, right. Yes. They they played nine, but. The number, the number of, of plays snaps, snaps would, would suggest six, six mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so a team that's frustrated and disappointed right now is playing too many snaps on defense, and a team that everyone's praising is barely playing any defense at all, that's something we ought to watch going forward. Ah, but I just don't know how much that's going to matter against Oregon. Uh, in any one game, it can be an outlier without question. If you give up big plays, you don't play that many snaps. Because I look at this three-game stretch as slightly better than BYU's next three-game stretch. It's check, check, and check. <laughs> and then what do you do against Oregon? And think, I don't know not playing 10 extra snaps in against whomever, Arizona, three weeks later is going to matter. Oh, against co- the so, team, the caliber of Oregon. Right. The, the way I think it really uh, pays off, I would think the best benefit that Utah has gotten out of this is that that's fewer collisions and less chance of injury. And there's no way to know how many guys would have been injured or how serious it would have been. And I think within a game, if you can limit the number of snaps, you don't have to rotate. You you told us a game, and it was a couple years ago, because I think Kalani was at the U then, before he went to Oregon State and BYU, but maybe it was somebody else. There was a game where a key player came off against Arizona State because he hadn't had enough rest. Trevor Riley. It was Trevor Riley. You know, the, what game was it? Arizona State, it was where an they ASU were game. up by 12 in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and he came off, and ASU went right, right at him. his backup and boom, boom, boom. went right down the they field. They were still building then. Yeah, so but I think when you limit the plays, you limit the number of plays that Trevor Riley has to be off the field. Agreed. But and I, he was a star But I point. don't know three weeks later that that would have made a difference. And I don't But know. it made a difference in that game. It can make a difference in any one game if you don't have to take your best 11 off the field. Right, but I think in the conference title game with the Rose Bowl right yeah, there. It's not a guarantee. I and, get that. And and if they have the one place they can afford injury is the defensive line. Sure. Hey, all of these stats, they just show tendencies and trends, and any of them cannot matter in a game. Turnovers is the first thing he goes to. You can turn the ball over in three times and win a game. Teams do it. It's just well, that the odds are... Four times against ASU. Right. It's just that the odds, are, the odds are stacked against you. It doesn't mean I, I you don't overcome it. it. I get it. And it's a plus to have over the course of a season. Sure. But in a particular game, because I'm looking at these next three games as get me through. and Get me to Santa Clara. That's one we're going to finally see. You're, you're wishing time away. You're hurrying along. You hate doing that. I'm talking about, I'm not in my own personal life. <laughs> yeah. The days come when they come. I'm talking about to make it a quality judgment on this football team. They haven't been tested. Right. 
and they're because the here. competition hasn't been good enough. Right, and Oregon nothing about, will be. And nothing about these games, UCLA's three-game win streak, notwithstanding. But you're playing a Bruin team that is uh, four and five, following it up with an Arizona team that's four and five and will probably be four and six, and Colorado's three and six. So to your point, there's no there's no excellence right. there. There's no greatness there. Yeah, they may drop in the college football playoff <laughs> because of the strength of schedule. Yeah. There's going to be some of that where teams take a hit or get a boost because of who's at the end of Alabama. Their exactly. strength of schedule, which has sucked, it's just it bad. Is. It is. But they're going to get LSU and they're going to get Auburn, and it's going to pump it up. Right. And conversely, and conversely Utah's these three get teams, these teams that they're playing, it's, it's not an indictment on Utah. I want to make sure everybody understands that. It's an indictment on the Pac-12. These three teams are 11 and 16 right now. Right. That's awful. Yeah. And Arizona lost to Hawaii and UCLA lost to San Diego State. And you're the Pac-12. You're not supposed to be losing to the Mountain West. I mean, we realize you're going to lose some, but that's just not good. And now I'm supposed to be, oh, they control their own destiny. No, they don't. <laughs> they control it until, you, until Utah rips it away from them. Midway through the second quarter. Uh, all right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Coming up next, Joe Ingles. He joined us late in the show on Thursday. We will replay all his thoughts for you next. The Joe Ingles Show on the way on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Hey, yeah! This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush! And it's time to hear from the best-looking, most charismatic, and certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz, Jingle Bells! Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe till the cop slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show. With DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. The Joe Ingles Show is brought to you by your hardworking friends at Mountainland Supply. For all your plumbing and irrigation needs, go to mountainlandsupply.com. Joining us now after a timely win, because it's easier to laugh at a joke after a win than it is after a three-game losing streak, Joe Ingles. Joe, good morning. Good, Good morning. How are we doing? We're doing great, well. Joe, just great. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> All right, we've got some fun stuff to talk to you about, but let's get the basketball out of the way. How good did you feel about the, uh, the Philly game? What are you thinking as you uh, drive in to go to work? Um, yeah, I mean, it was, a, it was a good win. I think it was um, probably our most consistent um, kind of performance we've, we've kind of put out there. So it was... It was nice to play kind of full four quarters. And um, I guess the things that we kind of focused on going into the game to be able to execute them um, pretty well for, for the course of a, of a full game was, was really good. So um, we'll, we'll go in this morning and, and obviously find some stuff to, 
to work on in that. But um, yeah, it was a it was a pretty good effort by by the guys last night. So the rebounding obviously Sunday wasn't good enough, and then you come out against Philly, which is a pretty good rebounding team, and you handle and hold your own on that. Was it simply a matter of emphasis, or what was the difference there? Uh, it's been an emphasis all year, so it was definitely more on the players. To, to I think at the end of the day, it's just us getting it done. It's not. I don't think it's something that you you go to practice and you pretend to box out against. Um, the coaches at practice or, or anything like that. We, we know, we knew what we weren't doing, um, and we obviously had to, to fix that and fix it quickly because we had, I think they were the number one offensive rebounding team in the league coming right. into the game. So um, it was something that we we watched some film of, and 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 it's, it, it was little things. That I think it was um, a shot would go up, and the, we would turn around, and and the guys would come over our back and get a tip out or, or get it, and, and it's. I mean, it's pretty. It's a pretty easy fix if you just turn around and um, kind of get a bit of contact with with your guy coming in. So um, it, it was a big focus going into the game because of the way they they play and the way they affect the game that way, leading the league in in offensive rebounding. And um, it's nice to not just to, not just to talk about it, but to actually go in there and do it as well. So um, yeah, it was a, it was a good effort. So I keep thinking about what you told us last week. Yes, I actually listen and remember what you tell us. Uh, you had a conversation with Ricky Rubio before the Suns game, and he looked at the other end of warm-ups, and he's like, wow, I, I really don't know most of this team. And I know for a lot of us, and me included, but for a lot of fans too, we see you, we see Rudy, we see Quinn, we see Donovan, we think, ah, oh, you know, it's same old jazz. But there are enough guys that they're just going to be these, for lack of a better term, you got little kids teachable moments for the team here through the first half of the season, doing stuff that maybe we take for granted, but you just got to tighten up the act as the season goes along and get better? Yeah, 100%. It's, it's, um, I think we'll see more continuity throughout the, the system and the way we play, obviously, as we, we play together more. Um, I mean, it's a, it's, a pretty, it's a pretty big turnaround, really, with, with the amount of players, I mean, because every year that I've been here, the six seasons we've I don't know if we've had more than kind of three to five changes a year um, so to have I think we had nine or ten or something this year I think it was a it was a pretty close to double figures so um, when you're trying to implement obviously coaches system to to ten new players it's, it's pretty full on and, and obviously you guys know and, and probably a lot of the fans of, of how complex our system is and it's it's not just walk down and um, kind of go A to B to C. It's it's pretty full on. So I think it's taken guys um, a little while to adjust. I, I think I said a lot. Like Mike played the same system for, for 12, 13 years. Boy, I'm with Indiana. It's just guys have played in certain systems, and um, it's just about getting those habits. And um, obviously last night was a good step forward, but we've obviously got another pretty big test um, tomorrow as well. So... Um, yeah, I think throughout the year we'll obviously continue to watch film and get out there and practice and stuff and, and just keep fixing little things. And um, at the end of the day, just try and be as consistent as we can um, and playing some, some really good basketball by the end of the year. So there's a big movement in this country called resistance, and I don't want to get political with you because I know you don't care, but I have a feeling you're going to resist what I tell you here. i got to have you shoot more, Joe. It's as simple as that. You've got to be more involved in the offense. Uh, cool. 
question. Do not. Re- See, you're resisting it. I knew you would. Come on, man. I need you. We uh, need you, Joe. Yeah. No, I know. I, I think uh, I actually said it should yesterday. I think I can. I know. It's the ultimate. That's resistance. the ultimate resistance right there. <laughs> I want to hear his answer. Yeah. I'm not talking about this. By the way, if you ever have to you hang up on a salesperson or something, you feel bad about it, and you want to get called back, while you're talking, just hit the button and hang up. <laughs> Why would you do Different that? Different while you're listening. You narcissist. <laughs> you take that down. <laughs> oh, okay, you did. He's got to be more involved. He's too good. Yeah, for whatever reason, he uh, he's one of those guys who gets the thrill out of uh, passing the ball and spacing the floor. Okay, but not just space the floor. I pass the ball. Hey, fine. I brought this topic up, uh, Joe. We were just discussing while we were waiting for you to come back that I brought this topic topic up last week. He's bringing it up this week. I guess it's going to be my turn next week. I don't know how this works. I just hang up every time you uh, are. <laughs> yeah, I'm out. <laughs> Joe, we want to talk field goal attempts. I Click. Said, <laughs> I definitely um, can be more aggressive, and, and um, uh, I guess I'm still trying to figure it out. Is the, the coming off the bench and, and when to be aggressive and when not to? And um, uh, I said it yesterday. I think I'll, I'll continue to get better at it and finding when I can be aggressive, when it's when it's other guys' turns, when I'm trying to get other guys involved, and. Um, I mean, doing it, um, yeah, I think it'll just keep getting better and better. So, okay, um, I'll shoot when I'm open. We we can live with that. We can live with that. As as you say, it's a work in progress because you just mentioned about how you have ten new guys and all this stuff going on. That all makes sense to us. So we're okay with it, Joe. Thank you. So, so, so I wondered if the issue, and you don't really want to come on the air and talk about, uh, you know, all the tough issues you face on the court in basketball. I mean, I get that. You should, by the way, just side side note. You were talking about how uh, how complex coach's system is. So that got brought up to him last night, and you should have seen him backpedal from that. He doesn't want to be paying as you know the smartest coach in the NBA. So he ran away from that, and you're going to run away from this. I get that, but I think trying to put myself in your shoes. You defer more when you're out there with kind of the finishing five, and I get how you see yourself as a third or fourth option because, of course, Mitchell's a good option, and Bogdanovich is obviously a very good option. And if you can get Rudy a dunk, that's a great option. So I get why you don't look for shots Mike then. Con- but Mike when, Conley's a great option. Too. Uh, and okay, right. We might as well list everybody. I don't want to leave anybody out. All right, but when you're out there with the bench group, you know, you or Donovan can be the best option on any given possession, but that requires you to kind of flip the switch based on which group you're with. Definitely. Um Honestly, I think I've, especially the last couple of years, it's been um, it's been kind of the way I've I've had to play. I've obviously the, not this year, but the last couple of years, I've started um, with like you've just mentioned some pretty impressive games, and um, even when I was starting, I would come out really early, um, and then I'd go back in with Fave, and me and Fave would kind of control that second unit, and obviously play a ton of pick and roll together and um, obviously that that worked really well for us um, and it's similar this year I, I I just come in at a different time so I, I come in at the 6 or 7 and I come in for Donovan um, 95% of the time unless something's happening with, with foul trouble or something um, and 
play for a, a pretty kind of long stretch. So I play with a few different lineups. When I first get in, obviously it's Mike and um, basically the same the starting group without Donovan. So we've still got Boyan and, and all that. And then um, as those guys slowly trickle out of the game, um, it, it's kind of not not my turn, but we we it, there's obviously more options for me to, to get the ball and um, and be aggressive. So. Um, like I said, it's not not necessarily flipping a switch because we we always are going to be able to have a couple really good playmakers out on the court. Um, but just knowing, picking and choosing, obviously when to to know that it's it's my turn. I think there was um, a couple of possessions in the second quarter yesterday. We real obviously realised Mike Scott was guarding me, and so so I played a couple of pick and rolls where. Other games, they'll be guiding someone else. So we'll just we kind of figure it out on the fly as a team. We we can obviously um, with Quinn, like you've said, we've got an unbelievably smart coach that can um, kind of attack different mismatches at different times in in pretty special ways. So, um, again, as much as you hate me saying it, it's just a, it's one of those things you you keep learning as you go. You keep learning on the fly, and and obviously keep getting better each week by week. You think that's a little bit of a compliment to your basketball acumen, I guess, because they, they're they putting you in a bunch of different ex- situations, as you just described, and they believe that you can have success. Um, I don't know. You guys can judge if that's a good thing. I mean, obviously, I feel like, and, I, and obviously, I know Coach feels like I can... I can help in different ways. I don't think I need to be out there just to play pick and roll, or I don't need to be out there just to space the floor or just right. to play defense. I think um, being able to play and being versatile enough to be able to play with different lineups, if it's, like I said, that finishing group that we finished with last night, it's uh, I'm probably the last option, which is completely fine with me because we've got some really, really good players on the team, and, and I'm happy to be that guy that to space the floor, and if they don't leave me in the corner, then I can get get to the rim easier or Donovan can get down to the rim without as much help so um, honestly I feel like the, the, the team we've got and the way we play and the unselfish guys we've got it's really going to be kind of different different guys each night or each week or whatever it is that are, they're going to play really well and um, I think you have to accept the role I think one of the we talk about it a lot one of the hardest things in the NBA is players accepting roles that yeah. they they either think they deserve more or they want more or um, if you can accept a role in a team and uh, I mean it's it's like me and Royce this year Royce obviously starting and I'm coming off the bench if I was a complete <laughs> decided I didn't want to help the team in any way I just would be a grumpy old man sitting on the end of the bench but uh, I want to help the team and, and flip side for Royce he, he starts the game and we've kind of flip-flopped uh, a few different games who's, who's finished the game this year um, last night I did uh, I think the game before he, he did um, but I think that's just a part of being in the NBA and being on a really good team and and obviously the end of the, the, the end goal is to, to win and, uh, and that's what we're all here to do Okay Joe I don't know if they have what's called an FCC in Australia <laughs> but can. we do in the US here there's certain words you can't say on live radio, and you just said one of them, Joe. Oh, 
porras. <laughs> that that body part. <laughs> that body part. You're sitting You went on. south on us, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> so we also have a thing called the dump button. So Yak hit it several times, so it probably didn't get out over the air. A complete, and then the word that followed. <laughs> Joe, I mean, come on. You know, we got to have a living here too, buddy. We're all in this together. Is it, is it bad that I have no idea what I said? <laughs> I didn't think you did. I, I really think you didn't. just rolled with <laughs> it. Did. That was what I thought, too. I actually maybe found it, it hilarious. It was way through natural. <laughs> yes, exactly. It was. Exactly. So I knew you realized you didn't say it. Yeah. But yeah, it was authentic, uh, as Jacques just I, said. I, yeah, I, I apologize to all the listeners for saying a word that I have no idea what I just said. Uh, the good news is they didn't hear it. I'm pretty sure the way Yach, it's a, it's a uh, plastic thing. It's a, I think Yach just shattered it. He hit it so hard. Like, we're making sure that's not going on the air. All right, let's uh, let's get to the fun stuff now, since you just made a natural transition there. Uh, during the game, the cameras caught you and Embiid having, we'll label it an animated discussion. Honestly, I thought you were both enjoying it just a little too much. You had a lot, there was some trash talking going on there. And I'm curious, aside from what you said, which we all want to know, I'm also curious if that's something you kind of have to do to get yourself going. And if you were really quiet, you'd end up not being as good a player. Oh, I definitely think. And I think, um, not that it's um, a great reason why I was quiet, but obviously the stuff I was going through last year with Jacob, I think that that showed. I think um, I was from that kind of November to January patch when we were going through Jacob's assessments and and diagnosis. um, I was so obviously worried about that and Renee and Miller and Jacob that, um, that I was quiet and, and kind of in my own head thinking about obviously kind of thinking about a completely different thing but um, and I wasn't playing well obviously I knew that you guys probably wrote or not you guys some of some uh, wonderful reporters probably wrote some crazy stats and articles about it but um, for me it's uh, I just I, I, I caught up with Brett Brown after the game last night and I, I've especially in the last few years since having the kids and all that, I, I go out there and obviously I know it's my job and I, I, I take it extremely serious, but I, I, I enjoy being out there. I've, I started playing basketball because I love, I love playing basketball and have fun playing basketball. And I think for me, if I ever um, took that other path of, of not being me out there, then, then I, I don't know. I just don't think I'd have as much fun. And, um, I love the fact that I can go out there and do my job and obviously do it to, to the best of my ability, but then I get to go home um, to a pretty amazing family and kids. And um, that, that perspective for me is especially even more since I think they always say, it, obviously, once you have kids, you, you get it. But then once you go through something else and, and what we did with Jacob, it just opened my eyes even more. And um, Man, I, like, I absolutely love going out there and playing. I have fun while I play, and I think that, for me, is the, the best way for me to play. Um, and, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. If people think I'm not taking it serious or I, I'm having too much fun out there, then um, cool, because I'm, uh, I'm going to keep doing it because I love my job, and I, I love that I get to go out there and compete and play at a high level. And um, It's just me. I'm going to talk. I like talking. <laughs> Uh, Brett Brown, he coached in Australia for a number of years, didn't he? Is that where you have the relationship with him? Yeah, he started coaching out, out in Australia. Um, then he was actually our national coach for Australia for four years as well uh, before our, our recent uh, the coach now. So um, 
got a really good relationship with him and don't get to see him that often. So it was, it was really cool to, to sneak into his office after and chat with him for 20 minutes. Joe Ingles joined us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. So, uh, Quinn always hits you up with something new. What's, what's the next thing you think? What's the focus of the video now going forward? Is it going to be not fouling so much? Um, I don't know. Did we foul a lot last night? Uh, they shot more than 30 free throws, so yeah. Oh, well, we'll try not to foul as much, I guess. Um, what else didn't we do? You guys watch the game. What do we do? Uh, let's see. Uh, what didn't you do? Well, I mean, you can you can argue that you let them back in the game a little bit, but I don't I don't really think a ten point lead with six seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter is that big of a lead. So, uh, yeah, I guess you a little bit of a lead, but not much. If it was twenty, it would have been uh, a different story, I guess. You guys are horrible. That's ter- they're two terrible things. I mean, that's the only thing. I'm, I'm reaching here. I mean, I guess I, I can talk no, about I mean, your dirty mouth if you want. But I think I think uh, I'm actually I'm heading in there right now. So we'll we'll obviously get to watch some film and and do all that. But um, I mean, there's always things. I think a couple of times. We, we, we let I, I know a couple of times with, with the dry let it getting blown by uh, they still had a few offensive rebounds which I, I'm sure we can clean up I think I had a laugh to myself last night I think Embiid shot like 18 free throws or something yes he did 16 of 18 um, yeah that's what that's actually what I said to him when we got in a nice discussion I told him he was way too tall and big to be flopping like that <laughs> um, nice but it was actually funny because Obviously, he just got suspended for getting in a yeah. bloody UFC fight. Right. Um, but he's actually, I, I, and I don't know him very well at all, so I'm not going to, like, put my house on it, but he, he seems like a really, really nice guy. He was, like, laughing and having fun out there, and that personality, obviously, as you've stated, is um, kind of like how I like to play. And then I actually saw him, I saw him after... Um, when I was talking to, to Brett Brown and um, had a quick chat with him there. And, I mean, he seems like a really nice guy. So whatever him and Carl um, Anthony Towns have against each other must be serious because he seems like a really nice guy. So. Yeah. All right, Joe. Uh, whatever. We will let I'll you. i Rudy any day of the week. There you sure. go. Hey, we'll let you go. We appreciate a few minutes. And uh, good luck. And we'll talk to you again next week. No worries. Appreciate it, guys. All right. There's Joe Ingles. We have him on every week. And when we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us.